Welcome on in to the Superintendent Radio Network and the first episode of our special More Than Turf podcast. More Than Turf is a new series brought to you by FMC and the FMC True Champions program, and it'll examine some of the job responsibilities of superintendents and other turf pros far beyond the agronomic details of tees, greens, and fairways. I'm Matt Lowell, managing editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine and the host of More Than Turf, and I'm joined today by America's greenkeeper himself, Matthew Wharton. Matthew is the golf course superintendent at Carolina Golf Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's a past president of the Carolina's GCSA. He's the back page columnist of Golf Course Industry Magazine, and he's one of the more influential voices on Turf Twitter. In this episode, we'll be talking about communication on social media and more traditionally around the club. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. FMC is committed to bringing innovative solutions and industry support to improve how superintendents manage their course. From groundbreaking products to your own professional development as a superintendent, FMC is firmly committed to the future of the golf industry. Sign up for a free sample of the powerful premix Kalita Fungicide at www.kalidafungicide.com and discover the benefits when a next-generation DMI, Flutriafol, meets a novel SDHI, Fluindapyr. Kalita Fungicide will tackle your most problematic diseases, including anthracnose, take-all root rot, bipolaris leaf spot, large patch, brown patch, and fairy ring. And be sure to enroll in the FMC Give Back to Local Chapters program and learn how to earn real money directly for your local GCS AA chapter. It's all part of the FMC True Champions program online at www.fmctruechampions.com. And now, America's Greenkeeper, Matthew Wharton. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Matt. How are you? Thanks for having me. Doing well. So we're having you on this podcast because you are fast approaching 7,000 Twitter followers. And whether you want to believe it or not, you're normally a very humble, self-deprecating kind of guy. You are among the more prominent and recognized turf pros on that platform. You never set out to do that, though. Why did you sign up for Twitter back in late 2013. It certainly was not for turf fame and fortune. <laughs> no, in fact, when I first signed on to Twitter in uh, November of 2013, I, I had no clue or concept that this world of turf Twitter or, or even golf Twitter existed. Like a lot of clubs, we had a newsletter, and our newsletter, printed newsletter, went by the wayside in 2009. And... Um, all of us department heads here at Carolina Golf Club had an opportunity to communicate directly with the membership with uh, direct emails, but the program, the software, the platform that we used wasn't very user-friendly. It's very difficult to upload photos, et cetera, so I just wasn't a fan of it. And in late 2011, I started a blog page on Blogger, 
and it was real successful. Uh, the membership really liked it. And a couple years later, I'm having a conversation with my green committee chairman, and we we're just kind of brainstorming. And we were sort of recognizing that the average age of the membership was getting a little bit younger, and Twitter was something that I had a few friends that were on it. Um, I think most of them used it for sports information. But uh, anyway, my Green Committee chairman and I just had a conversation about, you know, well, what if I start a Twitter account and members could follow me? And, you know, the Twitter posts, in my opinion, were always there to bridge the gap between the blog updates. And uh, so that was the premise behind it initially. Uh, it's funny how fast the turf industry will find a, a newcomer and you start to build followers, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, the first first year, year and a half, two years was a was a little bit of an eye-opening experience for me. In that first year and a half, two years, you go from blogging, which is a very set activity. You have to sit at a computer. You have to type out. You might upload a few photos. Much easier now, obviously, with mobile phones. But in 2011, 2012, not as easy. The iPhone was relatively new. Now, with Twitter, you see something. You take out your camera, you snap it, you have your photo, and you can post it immediately if you want. How did your use of Twitter evolve over the years, especially those first early years, from first informing those members and then talking with and keeping up with other superintendents, other turf friends from around the country? Again, like I said, the, initially, the, the, from the outset, it was, it was all about trying to keep the membership informed about the golf course, and it's funny, it, I, you know, because I joined on in November, you know, going into winter, it seemed like those first few months were, were more about frost delays or car path only situations or, or things of that nature. But, uh, you know, over time you, you start to realize there's this little turf community exists and the ability to exchange information or, or have a, have a private message on the side it was neat. I mean, my wife will be the first to tell you I'll sit and talk turf to anybody any hour of the day. Uh, so I always kind of thought of it as like having a local association meeting in the palm of your hand and, and the ability to sit on the sofa at night and chat with folks from all across the country or even other sides of the world was fascinating to me. I I really enjoyed it and embraced it. But in, in the early days, I still was always of the mindset that whatever I posted was, was was a message for the membership. So there were conversations involving superintendents, turfies, turf heads, whatever you want, whatever label you want to use. A lot of times I was I would observe those those dialogues, but I would never participate because I was I was reluctant at first. That all started to change for me as a result of. Um, being elected to my chapter's board of directors. And um, I, when I got elected uh, to the board of directors of the Carolinas chapter, I then started to kind of take on this mindset that I, I thought it was important to share chapter-related information. And so that was sort of the first little evolution in, in my use of the platform uh, where I started to branch out away from just golf course related posts where the target audience is my membership. Uh, I started to share chapter related information, uh, whether it's a post about upcoming meetings 
or especially the rounds for research auction. I've, I've been very hands-on, was chairman of our rounds for research committee for a number of years before finally passing the baton to Chuck Conley, who was doing a phenomenal job. So shout out to Chuck Conley there. More recently, after you sat on the board of directors, you were also president for a year of the Carolinas GCSA, your term running from November of 2018 to 2019. Did that position and that level of involvement ratchet up what you did on Twitter, how you interacted with people, what you responded to even a little bit more? Oh, definitely. I think so. I mean, like I said, you know, just be- once I became a member of the board of directors, that was sort of, a, you know, uh, started me down this path of branching out a little bit from just strictly Carolina Golf Club-related posts to more industry-related posts and then serving on the board of directors for, uh, well, I've been on the board of directors continuously now because I'm still serving as immediate past president. But So I've been on the board for the last six or seven years, and I think, yes, it's just been a continuous evolution. The, you know, the other thing is, is, like, over time, those conversations that I observed earlier but perhaps did not participate in, I, I eventually became comfortable enough where I do participate in those on occasion. Or if somebody responds back to one of my golf course-related posts with a question, you know, I'll, I'll share an answer with them. You know, and it's, it's funny how I still, after all these years, when I put out content, I feel like I'm talking directly to the 500 members of Carolina Golf Club. But it's never a member that asks a question in re- in response. It's a it's a fellow uh, it's a fellow turf professional. I think you said that we were fast approaching seven thousand followers. Well, like I said, there's only five hundred members, so <laughs> do the math. A couple more numbers before we get into a more general conversation about the importance of communication at a club. How much time do you spend on Twitter each day, Matthew? That's an interesting question. Uh, I've never measured it. And I can say that I don't spend as much time on it now as perhaps I did a few years ago. I don't even look at my phone until after I've gotten to the office in the mornings, and then I'll I'll quickly just scan to see what's on there from from the evening before. Then I'll I'll post something in the early morning hours during setup. I'll look at it again maybe over lunch. And then I'll I'll scan it periodically in the evening on the sofa, and that's about that's about it. There was a period of time where perhaps I looked at it more often than I should have, and it just took a while to learn how to break that habit. Your current setup seems like a smart, measured, responsible use that I could probably implement myself and do pretty well. It's a challenge, though, like you said. How have you used Twitter over the last year, especially since the start of the pandemic? We just passed the one-year anniversary of really all the pandemic lockdowns. Did did the pandemic change the way you use Twitter or how you communicate with people? I wouldn't say it changed the way I communicate with people because, I mean, first and foremost, you know, probably the one tenet that goes all the way back to the beginning is I've always wanted to keep everything positive. 
you know, I, I'm not a big fan of negative content. I, I want my posts to be positive and professional. But as, as it relates to the pandemic, I think one of the very first things I did was I immediately followed the account for the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. I also followed the account for Mecklenburg County. Uh, I followed the governor's account because we were getting all these updates. And uh, in fact, not only did I follow those accounts, but I think I had the Department of Health and Human Services on alerts. So I was getting notifications because I was using that as a way to, to kind of keep up to speed as everything was happening so fast and changing daily. I have, I think, since maybe, uh, you know, here we are a year later, I think I've unfollowed a couple of those and maybe took took one of them off notifications. But, yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was intense. I, I probably spent a good bit of time on Twitter during that first four to six weeks, first maybe eight weeks, it was um, things were happening so fast. Well, and restrictions went into place, and and I know that you dealt with uh, some course closures, and obviously uh, taking out bunker rakes and taking out carts and and all these other things that you didn't expect to do a year ago. So it makes sense that you would have them on alert. How does this affect me? How does this affect the club? How does this affect the crew? Makes total sense. Yeah, it was actually a great way to keep keep informed with a rapidly changing environment. You know, because the news was the news wasn't changing daily. The news was changing by the hour, by the minute. So, and I don't know about North Carolina. Here in Ohio, the then daily press briefings from the governor and other uh, officials were streamed on Twitter as well as television. So, if you wanted to watch something live, you could do it on Twitter. Finding it on a website much more difficult. Yeah, it was, it was the same here. Uh, it, they would they would announce when Governor Cooper was going to have a uh, a press briefing, and you could sit there and just watch it on your phone. It was made it really simple. You said that your level of communication, the type of communication that you handled just every day, didn't change so much during the pandemic. You also said that. Everything you do on Twitter is measured and professional. Everything you do on Twitter is basically an extension of what you would say to a member face-to-face in, in the club. How would you describe your own communication at CGC, Matthew? Mm, I, think, um, I think the membership has always appreciated uh, a willingness on my part to be very open and honest and forthcoming uh, and answer all their questions. I mean, there was, you know, I've been here now approaching 16 years. My, my 16th anniversary will, will be in, in May, and uh, I've got members that, that text me. Uh, you text me a question, and I'm going to respond just, just as quickly as I can. And, uh, you know, emails, phone calls, I've got a great relationship with a, with a significant uh, number of the membership, and, I've got others that come up to me and, and tell me how much they appreciate the blog. And I even had, I even had one member who told me that he used to work for Bank of America, and he, he was like, you just don't know how much I, I love when I get that email that says the blog has been updated because <laughs> I just take my phone and put it under the table and go straight to it and read it in these boring meetings. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I think by and large, you know, it's, it's it's their golf course, I, you know. Uh, it's 
it's funny after all these years you know i'll have members that come up to me and go well i just played your golf course today it's it's really nice it's really great and i'm always like it's not mine it's yours i'm just the one that's uh blessed with the good fortune to be allowed to take care of it and uh I think they just appreciate the fact that, you know, I'm I'm trying my best to tell them what's going on and why. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's all about them being able to make an informed decision or it's not necessarily inf- uh, an informed decision, but at least have information at their disposal as they're making decisions with regards to, you know, when they play or when they bring a guest out or something like that. You know, that, that's the whole purpose of um, – you know, the Twitter, but we're closed on Mondays for maintenance. And so, you know, I started using the hashtag maintenance Monday. And I know I've got some friends in the business that, you know, maybe they roll their eyes at that. But at the end of the day, you know, sorry, guys, those posts are not for you. It's it's not we're not sitting here trying to beat our chest and brag and say, hey, look at us. This is what what we're doing. What I'm really doing is communicating to the to the members of Carolina Golf Club to say, here's what we we accomplished on the golf course today while you weren't allowed to be out here. And so when you come out tomorrow, they kind of have a, an, an understanding of what to look for or what to expect, uh, maybe uh, the impact to the playing conditions, et cetera. Uh, I used to say when they're trapped in their office looking out the window, you know, wishing they could play, it gives them a better appreciation of, of all the work we accomplished. I don't think they're working from the office right now, but but that you know, still, it's the same idea. So much of this industry, and really so much of life, is about building and maintaining relationships. And you're entrenched, as you said, you're coming up on your 16th work anniversary here in May at CGC, and you know really well a lot of your 500 members a lot of younger superintendents or superintendents who are newer in a position probably don't know their members quite that well. How important it is, is it for those folks to learn names, to learn faces, to learn facts about members and also about fellow employees at the club outside of even their maintenance crew? Oh, it's, it's huge. I mean, you, you cannot, you're, you're not going to survive very long in this business if you, if you're just on an island, you know, you and your team isolated from the rest of the club. You know, it's funny. When I was an assistant, I was an assistant working for Rick Owens up in northern Virginia. And I went and I interviewed with Fred Biggers, who was at Wintergreen. And Fred got me on this cart with him. And he's just, he's just trying to give me a ride around to just, he's just pointing things out, giving me a tour of the property. But we're not getting very far because he knows everybody by their first name, and he's <laughs> he's waving, he's saying hello, he's calling them by name, and it had a huge impression on me, just uh, the the fact that he knew everybody by name, et cetera. And um, it's funny, I've, I've been here 16 years, but we've had a good bit of turnover in the last decade. Sometimes it's funny how... I'll have people come to me and introduce themselves. You know, maybe they've been a member for two or three months, but that's the first time I've seen them. When I was growing up, I had a, and this ages me only a little bit. I was born in 1983. So when I was growing up, I had a VHS and cassette tape combo to kind of give tips and tricks, little mnemonics to memorize 
faces and names and, and all those sorts of things. This was the mid to late 90s. What sort of tips have you picked up and what sort of tips would you give those younger and or newer superintendents to get them through those early years other than really just sitting down and taking time and, and getting to know people? Obviously that helps, but are there any tips and tricks you've picked up, Matthew? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, Patrick O'Brien, who recently retired from the USGA Green Section, uh, every time I was ever on the phone with Patrick, he called me by name so many times. It was, it was, it was, I couldn't, oh, but you, know, you couldn't help but laugh. And, and I know that's just an old trick from way back in the day. The more, the more you recite a person's name, uh, it helps you to remember it. The funny thing was when I was growing up, I was one of these people just by nature. If I met you once, I would recognize your face years later. I might not remember your name. But I knew that I had seen you before, and I was always a whiz with numbers. This is going to date me, but you know we used to have to actually dial telephone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> we we didn't just pick up a phone and and tell the phone call Matt Lowell. Uh, you used to have to dial numbers, and um, I've still got a handful of members here that um, I greet by their member number because when I first started, and we were all trying to get to know each other. I had jokingly said, I was like, you know, it might take me a few times to, to remember your name, Todd. And I said, I'm better with numbers. And he goes, oh, well, my member number's 288. <laughs> so here we are 15 years later, you know, it's like, hey, 288, how are you today? You just got to find something to relate relate the name to that's easy for you to remember. It's funny. Whether it's alliteration, somebody's last name is M. Their last initial is M, and they have uh, they have a beard, so maybe mutton chops or, or little mnemonics like that. Right. Matthew, last question about communications, the importance of communications, and I will let you get back to your day job. Again, superintendent at Carolina Golf Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. And if folks don't know you, they should absolutely reach out because you're not only a great person to know, but you have a beautiful course if you have time and they have time. Are there any rules of communication that you live by, whether that's your professional life or on the personal side? Well, again, I said earlier, I want everything to be positive. I avoid politics. Uh, it's you know, that, that goes back to my upbringing. I remember my grandmother was always telling me in social circles, you know, don't talk politics and don't talk uh, religion. And... Um, yeah, you know, when you think back over the last year, not only was there a pandemic, but there was a very, uh, there was a presidential election. I started to use the word contentious, but I don't know that that's the right word. But I think you know what I mean by that. Heated, and, um, heated for sure. Heated. That's a, yeah. There was a heated <laughs> election. There was a uh, there was a lot there was a lot of stuff on Twitter. Not a lot, and, and and not all of it was positive. And. Um, you know, you just have to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, you can mute people. You don't have to unfollow. Yeah, there's just there's just topics that I avoid because I just don't think, you know, it's just me. I I I didn't create uh, I did not create the Twitter account for Matthew Wharton the person. I created the account for Matthew Wharton, golf course superintendent of Carolina Golf Club. So there are topics that I just don't think are appropriate. Having said that, I have dipped my toe 
into sharing a little bit more personal information on the platform. And that really kind of came about as a, as a byproduct of just, you know, if you, you gotta be, you gotta be authentic and it's, it's, it's hard to be authentic if you can't reveal anything about your personality. And so, you know, my family's very important to me. Um, you know, my wife, uh, her sons, uh, our grandchildren, and then, you know, uh, I've got, I'm very passionate about the game of golf. Uh, I, I watch a lot of professional golf and, and uh, you know, Twitter the last two months on Saturday and Sundays has just been fun. And so, you know, over the last couple of years, I've, I've put out some content that I think probably re- reveals a little bit more about uh, who I am as a person, you know, likes and dislikes and, and a little bit more of my personality. And then, and it, it's funny. I, I can't remember who said it. Somebody put something on Twitter. They were asking a question about about the types of content, et cetera. And, and I, I just replied, and I was just like, from my own personal experience, I've always gotten way more traction out of something personal than I ever have. I, you know, you can put the most beautiful sunrise, and, yeah, you'll get 75, 80, 85, 90 likes or whatever, you know, but – you put your granddaughter hitting a home run, you're going to get triple digits. You know, you put your you put your wife ringing the bell as mm. as she uh, completes her last chemotherapy treatment, and uh, uh, you know we've got over eighteen thousand views on that video. And as a result, someone in the public relations department for Novon Health reached out to my wife. They wanted to tell her story. You know, it's it's an amazing. Uh, it's amazing the kind of impact and the reach that platform has. So that was an incredible moment and a great post to see. Uh, we got a little misty here at the GCI offices. Well, well, thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting winter to say the least, but um, we're getting closer. Matthew Wharton is the golf course superintendent at Carolina Golf Club in Charlotte. North Carolina. Also, the Backpage columnist in Golf Course Industry Magazine. You can read him every month, America's Greenkeeper, and a very good Twitter follow. Matthew, thanks so much for coming on this episode of FMC More Than Turf. Thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure talking with you. My thanks to Matthew Wharton for taking the time to share some communication tips in this first episode of More Than Turf. My thanks to all of you for listening. And my thanks to our sponsor, FMC, and its FMC True Champions program. From groundbreaking products to your own professional development as a superintendent, FMC is firmly committed to the future of the golf industry. Sign up for a free sample of the powerful premix Kalita Fungicide at www.kalidafungicide.com and discover the benefits when a next-generation DMI Flutriafol meets a novel SDHI Fluindipir. Kalita fungicide will tackle your most problematic diseases, including anthracnose, take-all root rot, bipolaris leaf spot, large patch, brown patch, and fairy ring. And be sure to enroll in the FMC Give Back to Local Chapters program and learn how to earn real money, real cash, directly for your local GCSAA chapter. It's all part of the FMC True Champions program 
online at www.fmctruechampions.com. Subscribe to the Superintendent Radio Network wherever you listen to podcasts for new episodes of Beyond the Page, Greens with Envy, Off the Course, Tartan Talks, and More Than Turf, which this season will highlight industry leaders sharing their perspective on budgets, staffing and leadership, managing staff and developing talent, and more. For everybody here at Golf Course Industry, I'm Matt Lowell. Thanks so much for listening.